your home of the pens and the best pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. James Harrison is retired. Some people think he should sign a one-day contract and officially retire as a Steeler. I think that's too much like a participation trophy. Let's try and put James Harrison's legacy in perspective. He helped win two Super Bowls and made arguably the greatest play in Steelers history. That 100-yard interception return in Super Bowl 43 to beat Arizona. But he double-crossed the Steelers at the end and finished his career with the hated enemy. Is James Harrison a Hall of Famer? It's close, but I'm not sure he was good enough long enough. He didn't start having impact until he was 29. He made first-team All-Pro twice, second-team All-Pro twice, Defensive Player of the Year in 2008. Now, that's a good resume, but it isn't overwhelming. For example, Troy Polamalu was four-time first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, and was Defensive Player of the Year in 2010. Is Harrison an all-time great stealer? Well, he's nowhere near being a top-ten stealer. And by that, I mean nowhere near. Six players on defense alone were clearly way better, including Mean Joe Green, Jack Cam, Mel Blunt, Jack Lambert, Rod Woodson, and Troy Pulamalu. Harrison was never the best defensive player on his team. That was Troy. Harrison was a lot like Lambert. Real good, but a bit overrated because of his look and his meanness. And Lambert was definitely better than Harrison. So Harrison was a real good player, but I'm glad to see the back of him. He was a domestic abuser and a bully his entire life. He had a good career, James. Now please... Just go away. I went longer than the song. I never go longer than the song. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Seriously, he's done now. Great, go away. You finished as a Patriot, go hang out in Foxborough. Go away. And as far as him being a Hall of Famer, pert near but not plum. As far as him being a top 10 stealer of all time, pert near but not plum. And I'd love to hear any of you jamokes make an argument that James Harrison is in any way a better player or in a class with Mean Joe Green, Jack Ham, Mel Blunt, Jack Lambert, Rod Woodson, and Troy Pulamalu. Nowhere near. I say it again. Nowhere near. And you know what else I don't like about James Harrison? There's a lot I just don't like about James Harris. Mean Joe Green was the baddest of them all. The baddest of them all, the toughest of them all, and the meanest of them all. That's why they called him Mean Joe Green. But he didn't act like an intimidating bully all the time. James Harrison acts like an intimidating bully all the time. Mean Joe Green, nice guy off the field. James Harrison not. 
You know why? Because James Harrison's a mark. He believed his own BS. Mike DeCourcy, the Sporting News, uh, wrote a column saying that the end of James Harrison's career signals the start of the mending process for Harrison, the fans, and the Steelers. I quote, whether you were angry the Steelers released James Harrison or furious he then signed with the Patriots, his retirement means one thing, get over it and remember the great times. What, like the domestic abuse? Remember that? Sorry, Mike. Respect your work like you, not buying what you're saying. If you have an opinion, dial 412-333-WXDX. If you don't have an opinion, well, that's kind of boring. Let's go to Virgil in the Hill District. Virgil, you're on with Double M. What up, man? What up, man? Hey, I know in yesterday's Penguins game, the, the national broadcaster's narrative was, well, Philly dumped the puck for and they did in game two, and they wanted to take a toll on the Penguins' defense. But... I just game two to game three. Game three, they cast on their chances. Where game two, it was post, post, and more post. So for me, any of the injuries that wanted to jump off the cliff after game two, this team's way too battle tested uh, in regards to when they're missing on good chances to get frustrated. Well, yeah, there were a lot of people saying, whether it's Flyers fans or Penguins worry warts. Well, what if the Flyers had scored in the first ten minutes yesterday because they had all the pressure? And they did have all the pressure, but that's why the Penguins have Matt Murray, a two-time Stanley Cup winning goaltender. And uh, what if the Penguins had scored on all those shots that hit metal in game two? I mean, it's hockey. There's breaks. There's bounces. Odd stuff can happen. Sometimes it goes off the post and in, and in game two it didn't. But uh, I think the series is right where it should be and, and, and right where the Penguins want it to be. And I thought that, that they were going to win in five games, and I bet they still do. I bet they win the next two, Virgil. And that defense score from Philly is just, in my opinion, the worst in the playoffs. And they're bad, and, and that's where the Penguins need to keep on just slamming it, slamming it home in, in regards to that. Thank you, sir. Take care, brother. Thank you, Virgil. Let's go to Sam in Connellsville. Sam, you're on the Mark Madden Show. How we doing? Terrific. Good. Hey, what do you think the Capitals' chances are of making it out of the first round? Uh, slim and none, and I think Slim coughed up the puck in overtime yesterday. Uh, I think the Caps are done. Yeah. I mean, they might yeah. bleed a game out in uh, in Columbus. We'll see how much pride they have. I think the Penguins just took their heart, took their balls, took their pride, and took everything from them uh, these last two playoff years. I think they came in the playoffs expecting to lose. Their fans came in expecting to lose. You could feel that through the TV in the first two games of that series between Washington and Columbus. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm a Caps fan, but they're not looking too hot right now. You're a Caps fan? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you're a Caps fan, you got to look at it okay. they got to win four. That's my catchphrase in the playoffs. you got to win four. I don't think they're going to win any. I mean... the Penguins, you know, could 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 bring the Flyers back in this series, although I think yesterday showed that when Matt Murray plays like he can and the Penguins play like they can, the result of the game is up to them and, and not the Flyers. Uh, but uh, I, I see the Penguins winning the next two games. I'm not, you know, bragging that the Flyers are done. 
because I understand the vagaries and the ebb and flow of postseason hockey. But I think the Penguins will win the next two games. And if not, they'll win two of the next three games. Let's go to Jay on the road. Jay, you're on with Double M. Mark, I just wanted to thank you. I've had a crap for day. I got in the car. You went on that rant about Harrison, and I laughed out loud, and I needed it. Thank you. Well, I don't know if there's anything to laugh about there. What did you laugh at specifically? That you said, all I want to do is see your back. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm glad to see the back of him. I, I, I don't think he ever did Pittsburgh a bit of good beyond his football. And I agree, which, you know, just to, to call an ace an ace like you did just made me laugh out loud, and I it just it was the end of a, a bad day. And I, well, I'm, I'm glad he – thank you for the call. I'm glad he went to New England for that uh, last part of the season because it makes it easier to tell the truth about him in this town. You know, if he had if he had ended last year with the Steelers, oh, my God, greatest Steeler ever. He couldn't carry Mean Joe Green's jockstrap in a hockey equipment bag. No comparison to Green. No comparison to Ham. No comparison to Lambert. No comparison to Woodson. No comparison to Pulamalu. He is not, no comparison to Jack Lambert. He is not an all-time top 10 stealer. Just is not. Let's go to Brian in the car. Brian, you're on with Double M. Yeah, hey, Mark, I heard you talking about Jeru's uh, hit a little bit earlier. Yeah. <clears throat> what makes him an even bigger weasel is when he, you saw him look over his shoulder. You saw him throw the shoulder. Well, no, it, it was it was incidental. Like, he spun off balance. And it was all set to be just an accidental collision until he saw him and then got his elbow up. Yeah, and then he goes over to his bench and he's shrugging his shoulders and like, I don't know what happened, is what he said. Which well, is, he played the role well. Yeah, he did, which makes him another another weasel, just like Brad. Who's Brad? Marshan, sir. Oh, right. I didn't know you two were on a well, name basis. Uh, yeah, it was it was a dirty hit. But again, I, I knew he wouldn't get suspended for it. Like, when Tanger, you know, took that shot, people in the press box at PP just said, well, he's got to get a hearing. And I'm like, he won't get no hearing. I, I've seen the playoffs too long. I was surprised Codry got three games for that hip check to uh, Wingles' head, where he clearly targeted Wingles' melon. Like, like, but, but they don't care. They gave him three games there. They should have given him ten. Of course. Giroux should have got a hearing and at least a fine, but that was never in the cards. The NHL punishes players enough, just enough, for shots to the head so that they give the illusion they care about brain trauma, but they don't. It's a man's game, and part of playing a man's game is that you drool into a cup uh, a few years after you're done if you took too many headshots. It's like I always laugh when old-timers tell stories about playing against Gordie Howe. Like they'll sit around the table and they'll say, yeah, one time Gordie elbowed me in the, and broke my orbital bone. And I couldn't see for a week, and he said, keep your head up, kid. And then they all laugh. One time, I was along the boards, and I had accidentally tripped Gordy earlier, so he speared me in the groin. I couldn't have kids. And then they all laugh. What, what, what's funny about any of that? One time, I came home, and Gordy was banging my daughter. 
And we had a good chuckle over that. We did. That's hockey. I love it, but I can't explain it. 412-333-9939. If you want to talk Penguins, dial that number. If you want to tell me whether or not James Harrison is a Pro Football Hall of Famer, I hear people saying first ballot. I just don't see it. He might get in sooner or later because guys get in who don't deserve to. Jerome Bettis got in an offset. 3.9-yard average in the Hall of Fame? Come on. But uh, I think Harrison's borderline and won't get in, and I don't think he's a top-10 all-time stealer. I don't think he's anywhere close to an all-time top-10 stealer. Maybe 15, more likely 18, 19, 20. 1059 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. He's a prissy, sissy, Nancy boy. No matter who's the goalie, when we have the right defense playing the right way. You're right, they should play without a goalie. The X at 105.9. Paul Zeiss in the Post-Gazette posted a column, James Harrison is an all-time stealer. Great. Okay, what's your standard? Is he top 10, top 20, top 30? If you think he's better than Joe Green or... Troy Pulamalu or Jack Ham or Jack Lambert or Mel Blunt or Rod Woodson, you're wrong, flat out. So he is no better than the seventh best stealer defensively of all time. And I can make an argument that quite a few been in at number seven better than he does. And when you add in the offensive players, he's not close to top 10. He's not close to top 15. He was real good. But this is a special team with quite a history and quite a number of players who excelled and accomplished quite a bit. We got Phil Bork at the bottom of the hour. He'll have no opinion on this whatsoever. Let's go to Corey in the car. Corey, you're on with Double M. Good day, Mark. I said good. What, I mean, hello. I'm your daddy. Yep, good Mark. one, Corey. Great call. You and your whoever's in the car with you, put your pants back on and... Uh, Recess will be over in a few minutes. I know I know you experiment. It's natural. I don't blame you. Let's go to Sam and West Deer. Sam, you're on with Double M. Mark, you're out of your mind if you don't think that he's deserving to be in the Hall of Fame. He might not be better than Troy Polamalu, but he's just as important as Troy Polamalu. He was the yeah, no, no, he, no. Okay, first off, he wasn't as good as Troy Polamalu. Nobody who knows football would say that. One of the greatest defenses in the history of the NFL. Okay, now now if you want to change the subject, you can, but what's your response to me saying he's just not as good as Troy Polamalu? Hello. great players, and, and he is the all-time sack leader. Yeah, it took him a while to do it. Then again, he didn't make any impact until he was 29. He won a Super Bowl. You're right, he's the best ever. Happy? He's not the best ever. But he's no, no, no. You think he's the best? No. He single-handedly won a Super Bowl? Okay. Oh, he, I'm sorry. I didn't. I, oh, kiss my ass in hell. Okay? He made a great play in a Super Bowl, but Ben mm-hmm. hits Antonio, and if you think Harrison deserves loan credit for that Super Bowl, guess what? If Ben does doesn't throw this... St- credit, but if he's not on the team, we lose. Sam, I know you live in a hick town, West Deer. I've been there. It's a lot of abandoned barns and lonely cows. Maybe you can find one later and she won't be so lonely. But just because you yell doesn't mean it's right. Now, when I yell, it makes it right. And you can say that Harrison made that great play, and he did. And you can say the Steelers don't win the Super Bowl if he doesn't make that play. But if Ben doesn't find Santonio, nobody remembers what Harrison did. Yes, they do. 
Maybe you do out there in West Deer okay, with the cows and the sheep. Harrison, okay, if James Harrison doesn't make that play, nobody remembers what San Antonio said. Exactly right. Now you're catching on. You said earlier that Harrison won the Super Bowl single-handed. He did not. He didn't win it single-handedly, but he But that's what you said earlier. And if that doesn't qualify, that's what you said. What, one play qualifies him for the Hall of Fame? And along with all of his stats, too, throughout his career. What stats are those? Former, what former, stats are those? Defensive player of the year. Right, right. He was, he was, he was a first team All Pro twice, second team All Pro twice, won Defensive Player of the Year once. You know what that gets you in, brother? The Hall of Very Good. It gets you in the Hall of Very Good. Now, don't get me wrong. He may make the Pro Football Hall of Fame because most Halls of Fame have become the Hall of Very Good. Let's go to. Uh, Doug and Katanning. Doug, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Terrific. Hey, I just wanted some clarification. I'm not really um, been watching hockey very long, but when they had that high stick and they had that uh, bloody lip, what right. constitute either a four minute or a two minute? It, it's it said it said that if you draw blood, it's a double minor. I don't think that's automatic, though. I think that's the referee's discretion because Connor Sherry got high-sticked, I think it was yesterday, and yeah, there was yeah, there was a little bit of blood, about, but it was yeah. only a two-minute penalty, correct? Yes, I, that's what, I mean, I don't I th- I think. I think it's at the referee's yeah. discretion. And, and, and uh, boy, I have mixed emotions on that because part of me says that it shouldn't be automatic. If it was automatic, you'd have guys like, you know, putting razor blades on their fingertips and juicing to get the extra two minutes. Uh, but then again, I don't like anything that involves referee discretion. Up next, more hockey talk. Boy, it's going to be good. It's the old 2-9 or Phil Bork, 105.9. This is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. Phil Bork's a no-show right now. Bork, if you're out there. Pick up the damn phone. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, while we effort to get a hold of the old two-niner, I want to talk about the way Sullivan juggled the lines a bit. Actually juggled the lines quite a bit. Uh, he went to Crosby, Hornquist, and Gensel, and he went to Haglin, Malkin, and Kessel. And then the third line was... Uh, Sherry, Rust, and Broussard. And the fourth line was Zach Aston, Reese, Hornquist, and Shan. Uh, I still would flip-flop Aston, Reese, and Sherry, but I like what Sullivan did with the top two lines, and, and here's why. Hornquist doesn't attack off the rush, doesn't do the give-and-go game, doesn't have the speed that Sid likes. Sid prefers to play with guys who can skate fast to the exclusion of everything else on his line. And as such, has never liked playing five-on-five five with Hornquist particularly. But you know what? It's, it's the best combination for the Penguins and the best combination for Sid. Because Hornquist forces Sid to play Don Low more, and Hornquist takes some of the burden away, Don Low, from Sid. Whenever Sid's out there with say, Gensel and Roster, God forbid, Gensel and Sherry. He has to do too much work in the blue, along the wall, behind the net, 
He absorbs like all the physicality and a bit too much of the defense, too. When he's out there with Hornquist, yes, yeah, it's Don Lowmore because the puck gets worked Don Lowmore, but Hornquist takes away some of that burden. And the more Sid plays Don Low, I believe the more productive he's going to be. Sid's fantastic off the rush, one of the best players in the world off the rush, but he's the best player in hockey history, Don Low. Nobody plays near the blue paint better than Sid. Nobody deflects better than Sid. Nobody comes out of traffic with loose pucks making plays better than Sid. Here's a case in point. Raffle turns the puck over to Hornquist, Don Lowe. Golden opportunity. Hornquist gives it to Sid. It's not a perfect pass. Sid takes it off his skate to his stick, flies around the net with his skates at 2-10, and and stuffs the puck for the first goal. I'm not sure that play happens without Hornquist out there. If all they're doing is attacking off the rush and And I don't want to belittle or diminish the effectiveness of Sid attacking on the rush. It's just, I like him with Hornquist. I like Sid playing more Don Lowe. As far as Malkin and Kessel go, I know, and I agree, that when Malkin plays with Hornquist and Haglin, he shoots more. Definitely. Creates his own shot more. Definitely. But... He's just going to do that anyway, playing with Kessel. He's just going to make that work and shoot and score playing with Kessel. I know they defer to each other too much, quote-unquote, when they play together, but when Phil plays with somebody besides Gino, when he plays with Broussard and Sherry, he doesn't have enough help. Broussard's good, but he doesn't have enough help on that line. Sherry can't play with Phil, just can't play with Phil. So I like this way a lot better. I think it paid dividends yesterday. And, of course, them scoring three times on the power play paid big-time dividends because it it made the Flyers a bit less reckless with their shenanigans, and it got them three goals. I guess, really, that's the biggest value of scoring on the power play. You're scoring on the power play. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I keep coming back. My highlight from yesterday, yesterday was all about Sid. My highlight from yesterday, though, is him pushing the puck through Giroux's legs on the draw. Gensel pushes it back to Sid. Sid skates a couple strides right. Feathers the backhand pass to Dumoulin. Dumoulin buries it. Two goals. In five seconds, and the game is over. And Sid planned to do every bit of that. That was just the way he imagined it, no question. Not sure if he envisioned Dumo burying the puck with such clinical efficiency, but Dumo's got five points in three playoff games. Those kids in Maine all want to grow up to be Bobby Orrin. For three games in these playoffs anyway, Dumoulin has done just that. You know, one of my favorite quotes from the great sitcom, my favorite sitcom, that 70s show, 
is when Kitty Foreman says when the kids did something to give Rand a hard time, don't poke the bear. Now that Sid has 30 points in 20 playoff games against Philadelphia and rips them a new backside seemingly every time he goes to Philadelphia to play in a game that resembles any small bit of significance, why do they keep chanting Crosby socks? Why do they put photos of him in the urinals? Why are they poking the bear? That said, I think the bear's permanently poked at this point. I don't think Sid's going to slow down at all playing against the Flyers, especially in Philadelphia. Whenever he plays like that against Philadelphia, whenever he breaks their hearts time and again, especially in Philadelphia, I just think he's one of us. He really is one of us, like he was born here. It almost brings a tear to my eye. When Sid destroys Philadelphia, he really is one of us. But still some work to be done here. Although I will say, I don't see Philadelphia winning three of four to take the series. And obviously if the Penguins get up three games to one, boy, that's one hell of a deep hole to be in when you're playing a far superior team. And that's what the Penguins are, a far superior team. And the superiors showed up in goal yesterday. Murray is way better than Elliott, and it showed up yesterday. Murray in those first 10 minutes was absolutely phenomenal. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. You know what day confuses me in baseball? And I know it's a great tribute to a great man, arguably the greatest civil rights pioneer in the history of this country, you know, along right alongside a guy like Martin Luther King. But they have Jackie Robinson Day once a year. It was yesterday, this year. And every player in the major leagues wears number 42, Robinson's number, because it's retired across the league. And, boy, they took a long time to do that, you know. It took a while for the guys who wore 42 to, to age out. Like Mariano Rivero, if memory serves, the Yankees reliever, wore 42 to the end of his career. But when I turn on baseball games during Jackie Robinson Day, I say, okay, who's 42 for this team? Who's 42 for that team? If you don't follow the sport close, and at this point I don't follow it nearly as closely as I used to, you wonder who's who. And I conquered that problem by just turning the game off. Metro Philly, a news agency in the city of brotherly love. Here in Pittsburgh, we just called it incest. But Metro Philly tweets, the Flyers have committed 46 minutes in penalties through three games. Playing clean against the Penguins and their number one power play unit will be key in game four. Well, I want to note that uh, Broussard has two power play goals. No, not two power play goals. He scored a PPG yesterday, although for whatever reason, he was out there with the first unit. Maybe he got on uh, in the middle of a change and scored. And uh, Broussard set up Gensel for a power play goal in game one. But as far as keeping the Penguins off the power play by staying out of the box, really? No kidding? You're just figuring that out now? But the Flyers can't help themselves. They're going to take penalties. They're going to take a lot of penalties, and the Flyers are going to take dumb penalties. 
because it is in their DNA. And that's one thing Ron Hextall, their GM, who I think has done a good job making that team more skilled, making that team usually less dirty, making that team faster, making that team more in line with what a team needs to be to win in today's NHL. Despite doing all of that, Ron Hextall can't get the Flyers' shenanigans out of their DNA. And he left just enough cement heads on the roster like Gudas and Manning to kind of get the ball rolling in that regard too often, especially this time of year. But it's in their DNA. The Flyers are going to be stupid because it's what they've always been. Stupid. 412-333-9939. Going to try to get Phil Bork next hour to talk some hockey. Right now, let's go to Jared in North Carolina. Jared, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. I'd just like to hear your assessment of Kessel's play in the first three games. I feel like he's been kind of lackluster, hasn't had much jump in his step. He was lackluster in the first two games. He was pretty good yesterday. He, he, he got a lot of good plays made on the power play. He made that tremendous five-foot pass to Broussard to open him up for that goal. I thought Phil played his best game of the series yesterday, and it's because he's playing with Malkin. And not just because, you know, Gino raises Phil's game that much. It's because I can tell you for a fact, Phil Kessel wants to play with Evgeny Malkin. There's no doubt about that. He understands the concept of dividing the three stars up among three lines for balance. But Phil Kessel wants to play with Evgeny Malkin. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Like I said, that pass he made, like a five-foot pass to Broussard, in the slot, Phil was kind of set up on the left post in the slot. He just laid it five feet back and five feet over to Broussard. Opened up the shooting angle. Broussard buried it. What a great play by Kessel. That's one of those plays that looks easy. It looks simple. It looks like it didn't really matter. But it created the goal. It created the goal every bit as much, if not more, than Broussard's shot did. I'm Mark Madden. I'm going to talk to Bob McGawkin up next, 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark, you struck my last nerve. You say that like you think I would remotely give a dump. But do go on. The X at 105.9. Joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to us by 84 Lumber. Bob, uh, what was your take on yesterday's game? It was certainly a 180-degree turnaround uh, for Matt Murray from Game 2. Not that Murray played bad in Game 2, but, you know, his save percentage wasn't great. He leaked in. A couple goals I'm sure he wished he could have back, whereas he was stunning in the first 10 minutes of yesterday's game. And I think between Murray and Sidney Crosby, not not that they won the game between the two of them alone, but uh, pretty close. Pretty close is right. And that uh, that save to open up the game a minute and 10 seconds in, boy, uh, I mean, if you can talk about a monster save, uh, if that goes in, Safe to say, you know, that doesn't win the game for the Flyers, but totally different atmosphere in that building yesterday. You know, the animals would have been real fired up for that one. As it was, uh, it ended up Sid's first goal just breaking the back of the Flyers yesterday. That the, the you know, 10 to 2 skates comes around as quick as you talked about, you know, it happening. It was just perfect from Hornquist to Sid. Hornquist goes right to the net. Sid wraps it around. Uh, just tremendous. Um, and then the one where he went off the faceoff, Back to Dumo within five seconds, put it in. 
Flyers had nothing yesterday to answer that. Too much Penguins, uh, too much Matt Murray. Well, yeah, I thought Murray held the fort the first 10 minutes, and as soon as Sid scored the goal, you could almost feel the energy rush out of the building in Philadelphia, and even the energy seemed to rush out of the Flyers' bench. And uh, that, that Sid goal, I think people are underestimating how tough a play that was. Hork was put the pass in his skates. Uh, not quite the touch that it hoped for, I, I I bet. But Sid thought on his feet, literally, with his feet, you know, kicked the puck from his right skate to his stick. And Elliot had the respect that Sid can bounce the puck in from behind the goal line, that he can squeeze it in from a bad angle. Not many guys are better at that than Sid. In fact, nobody in the history of the game, for me, has ever been a better player down low. So Elliot has to, you know, go toward the puck a little bit. And when he did that, he was toast because Sid put his skates at 10-2, and two, flew around the net and stuffed him, and Elliot had no chance. <laughs> yeah, well put. And the other thing that he had to do, Mark, you know, you talked about him staying on that side of the net for just that last second or that side of the post. Uh, as soon as Hornquist gave him that pass and Sid kicked it up to his skate, Hornquist went right into the blue paint. And you could see Elliot kind of, I mean, you can't not notice Patrick Hornquist because of what he does in that area. But it just that second of him having to know where Hornquist is at, and with Sid's ability to stop on a dime and maybe give it that short side pass to Horny again, just that second opened it up for Sid to come all the way around and duck it in. And once he got around, like you talked about, the 10-2 to two skates and all that open ice, I mean, all that open net area, there was no doubt that that was going in. That was going to be tucked into the back of the net. I think only one player in hockey would have uh, had the skill and the vision and the balls to try and do what Sid did on the faceoff play, which ended up in Dumoulin scoring just five seconds after Evgeny Malkin had made it 3 nothing. Uh, but not only was that a showcase for, for skills overall, uh, resume of, of just what it takes to make a play like that. But I got to look at Giroux very negatively because it's 3 nothing. you got to be more in the game than that when they drop the puck to let your opposite number do that through your legs and set those dominoes falling. The other thing is that as soon as Giroux got beat, Mark, he was incredulous that he had lost it that bad and that Sid was already past him. He didn't move his skates for, you know, forever. All he did was spin around and with the stick kind of lunge after that. I think Nolan Patrick, who got beat, you know, second on that, I think he actually thought Giroux was going to at least make an effort to get back and do something with Sid. And by well, the- Giroux kind of juggled his stick, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he he just juggled his stick. He reached back, you know, with the length of the stick and just tried to either hit the puck or hit Sid's stick with it. And I think Patrick stood up and took one step back thinking, okay, Drew will recover from that. He, he never did. He never skated away from it. Patrick's beat all of a second. I mean, all of a sudden, it goes back to Dumoulin. And Dumoulin just, what a great game for Dumoulin. With all he had going on yesterday, all the ice time, uh, as many times over the board that he went, he just plays. He's You don't even notice him. He's so solid out there. Do you think Sid and what Sid does demoralizes the Flyers more than just about we've ever seen any one player demoralize any one team on a consistent basis? That's fair because they put so much into stopping him, and the uh, the energy of that building is so intensified on just shutting him down. Every little mistake that he makes, if there are any, they are all over him. Anytime he gets the puck, they are all over him. You talked about the urinal trick that they did before the uh, game even started. Sidney Crosby is so in the heads of both the fans and the benches in Philadelphia that when he gets like that, 
it is totally demoralizing. I would agree with you. No other player does that to any other team like that. You know what worries me? And, and there was a reference in, in, a, in a column I read in a Philadelphia paper. Their philosophy is to win at any cost. I'm worried they might really turn up the dirty play against Pittsburgh if, if game four starts out good for the Penguins. Well, we kind of talked about that Friday and what was going to happen in that game. And, you know, you talked about Wayne Simmons punching Malkin, just punching him. Well, I'm talking even even more so than that. Like, uh, Giroux took a slashing penalty on Sid yesterday that was pretty bad. And I always hearken back. Like I keep saying, Bob, it's in the Flyers' DNA. Case in point, the 1972 Super Series between Canada and Russia, Bobby Clark, from whom that Flyers' DNA flows. Mm-hmm. He is ground zero for the way the Flyers are. He saw that the Team Canada couldn't stop Harlamov, so he broke his ankle. Broke his ankle on purpose, gloated about it later. You worry when you think back because, again, it's in their DNA. Yeah, you do worry, and also because of the dire straits that they would be in at that time. I mean, if they go down, they lose both of them in Philadelphia. Say it's a close game going into three. Well, as I say that, Mark, though. Well, I'm not even worried about that, Bob. The Flyers don't have what it takes to come back from from two games, they're just not good enough to beat the Penguins in the best of seven. Yeah, but maybe they don't know that. But I'm, but I'm, no, I would expect they don't. So they'll resort to At least to they anything. won't admit it. Well, right. But, but I'm worried about the carryover past this series, even. Oh, okay. No, that's fair. I mean, the other thing I was going to say about the Flyers, I'll if be they very did honest. It up, I think if I think if one of the Penguins' two centers got hurt in this series, they would still beat the Flyers. I would agree with you on that one. If Gino or Sid got if, hurt, that's not what I'm hoping for. And you would have to pursue a bit of a different path, but I think they still beat the Flyers in the best of seven. If Murray plays the way he did last night, if Murray plays half of what he did last night, I agree with you on that one. Um, the only thing about the Flyers, though, Mark, they have to be thinking in the back of their head after the power play resurgence yesterday afternoon. If they goon it up, if they play stupid, if they take these stupid penalties, it's in the back of the net. You know that that's all Hackstall is preaching to them right now also. Yeah, no question. As I wrote in the Trib... Sunday, and then it came to pass Sunday afternoon. The Penguins needed a big day on the power play to back off the Flyers' uh, aggressive play and, and their dirtiness. They're slashing and, 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 like you said, punching Malkin in the face. If, if, if you're not going to score in a power play, then Wayne Simmons probably should punch Malkin in the face and, and Sid, too. Although Simmons, uh, again, a non-factor hockey-wise yesterday for the third game in a row. In just 30 seconds, we're going to talk about those 11-4 and four Pittsburgh Pirates. But not for very long, so get your hockey calls going. 412-333-WXDX.